Welcome to the Classic Car Corner Podcast. We are glad you can join us today. Tonight, we welcome back Tim Hatzel, who has volunteered to ask the questions from a few of our followers we've received via email or Facebook messaging. But first, these words from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Springdale Automotive, the next generation in car care. Locally owned, professionally operated, whatever you drive, we service. Domestic, Euro, hybrid, electric, classic, diesel. Springdale's classic car services include maintenance, repair, and diagnostics at four convenient neighborhood locations. How may Springdale be of service? I'm Jason Painter. John and Eric couldn't make it this evening, yet we wanted to first say thank you to all of our followers and for the support we are getting from you each week. We are very excited about the fun topics uh, for our future podcasts and certainly appreciate your continued support of us. That being said, Tim, thank you for moderating for us this evening. Uh, We had a great time uh, with your topic about car-themed songs and certainly appreciate your time here this evening with us again, so thank you. Jason, thank you so much for having me back again. It feels good to be behind the microphone. Of course, hanging out with my, my good old buddy, Jason, the classic car maven and automobile aficionado well i try (laughs) i I try that's for you you deliver every time well thank you thank you so uh, i understand we've got some questions uh from some um some of our actual listeners that have listened to us and certainly uh, yet again appreciate them uh reaching out to us absolutely well let's jump into it i'm just going to take control over this one jason so this is kind of a unique spin on how we're doing the classic car corner tonight okay and that being we're going to address some write-ins some people with questions, yep. listeners, and we want to take those right now. Right. So let's go with the first one. Lois McCarthy of Denver, Colorado writes, I'm looking to purchase a classic car as a surprise for my husband. Will you please share with me what you take into consideration before you buy? Well, uh, that is a great question, Lois, and uh, I'm going to do my best to answer. Now, here are the things that I would do. Uh, the first thing I'd recommend is, in fact, an inspection on the car, especially if you are not uh, in a position to go see it. Companies such as Lemon Squad, uh, for example, do a very good job rendering thorough inspections. Um, They will go out to the car, they'll do a complete walk around, check out the undercarriage, uh, you know, pop the hood, make sure all the oil levels are good, the transmission fluid if it can be checked, which old cars obviously you can. Uh, you know, just making sure that those transmission levels are good, making sure that the radiator core supports are in good shape, uh, the antifreeze level, all that good stuff. So, I, and that's just a very condensed abbreviation of what can happen during right. an inspection. Right. Because um, we could talk for hours on what you do. But uh, so an inspection would be number one. The second thing that you would want to try to do, and I would suggest, is actually get an appraisal on the car. Um, this will help with proper insurance valuations for your classic car. Um, so you certainly, if you go out and get these vehicles um, uh, appraised, it will uh, make you feel better to make sure you're not overinsured or underinsured okay. on the car. And there are uh, specific classic car insurance companies out there that uh, can certainly cater to the person who has such a vehicle and is not necessarily driving it on a daily basis. Well, great question from Lois, Jason, but you got guys here like me that might be listening. Now, Mm -hmm. I do know my way around a a beautiful car. Mm -hmm. I have a great appreciation for cars. Uh, But when you get into, I think, some of the minutiae, like you're talking about a a pre-purchase inspection, Mm -hmm. and then you're talking about an appraisal, can Mm -hmm. you just maybe quickly 
hit the high points on what the difference between an inspection and an appraisal sure. are. Well, basically an appraisal is nothing more than a glorified inspection. However, you're comparing uh, the originality, the rarity of the car. Uh, you're going to compare, you know, is it a numbers matching car? So typically uh, the, the, the VIN numbers will be stamped in different variation, very various parts of the car, and that will help determine the value. So the more stock, in my opinion, the more stock the car is, the lower the mileage, how okay. many owners. Uh, those are the questions that typically are asked uh, with appraisals versus okay. just uh, just an inspection. Inspections are nothing more than really just a, a walk around, checking paint match and flow, making sure gotcha. that the the paint actually you know is is congruent on each side as far as the depth. Okay. Uh, um, that kind of stuff, but but so so you can definitely have an an inspection and not an appraisal. But typically, an, a, an appraisal will require an inspection okay. if that makes sense. Gotcha. So it's, and then so obviously you pull comps. Yeah. You know, and if there's not very many of those vehicles within your 250 mile radius, then obviously you may want to reach out to a 500 mile radius just to see what other cars like it okay. are going to be valued for. So, I, I, from what I'm hearing, Jason, mm -hmm. just to kind of clarify, sure, it sounds to me like I'm I'm kind of par uh, walking in the parallel universe of maybe buying a home, mm -hmm. where before you buy that home, first thing you probably want to do before you, well, after you write that contract is maybe have an inspection where where they're looking at at the interior of the right. home they're looking at the mechanical aspects mm -hmm. the guttering the roofing how old is the furnace thermostats whatever and then when you get into that purchase phase where if you're satisfied with the inspection and you want to buy that then it is required at least from a lending standpoint that you want to have that appraised and right. what they're doing yep. is they're using area comparables to support Absolutely. the value of that home so right. that to me that sounds like a, a very similar methodology it, to it both very the much so is okay. absolutely and, and again it's just again it's for your protection just to make sure that you know you might you might have a vehicle that uh like everybody else but if the vin number ends in zero 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 one and oh, you wow. don't realize that that was the first car <laughs> off the production right. line then, right. then it's going to bring a value that's going to be a lot greater than the one that is, you know, uh, two, three, four, five, six. Let's right. let's call it. Yeah. So, so those are the type of things that you really gotta that is, uh, watch that, out for. That's great information. And yeah. let me let me just comment something uh, about that. Going way back to business class, mm -hmm. um, and that is what I know about value of of anything, whether it be precious coins, collectibles, mm -hmm. collectible cars, or or even a home mm -hmm. that. Something is only as valuable as someone is willing to pay. That's right. So mm -hmm. although here you can appraise a car and you've got all these supporting comparables, just because it came in at, say, $50,000 doesn't mean someone is not willing to pay more. So before right. you go slapping that, that price tag <laughs> on your car and you pull it out to your front yard after you do all the dressing up of it, right. think about that. Go yeah. high and you can always come down. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. I mean... Appraisals are nothing more, in my opinion, than a forecast based on educated guesses or educated uh, research, let's okay. call it, uh, that you've devised, put together, studied, and now you've got this vehicle that you think is valued at X based on if it's original, if it's uh, restal modded, if it's, you know, the, 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 no two cars... Although you might have two 1965 Mustangs, yep, 
they're not going to be the same. They're going to look somewhat the same, but one's going to be more original, have less problems, not have mismatched panels. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the engine that might not be original, you know, you never can't tell. And, and, and so there's a lot of things that go into this. So you definitely got to make sure you, uh, dot your eyes and cross, cross your, teeth. your teeth. That's absolutely exactly, that's right. Thanks, that's Jason. Right. No, sure. Great. Sure. And thank you for that question, Lois of Denver. Absolutely. Moving on to question number two, we have Brendan O'Daniel of Waterbury, Vermont. And mm-hmm. Brendan would like to say that or, or ask that his dad has a 1967 Fairlane. Wow. Here we go. That hasn't been, that hasn't run in over 20 years. What things does Brendan need to be concerned with? If he can get it, I guess, fired up and, and sitting after all this time. So what does he yeah, need to be concerned sure. with before he fires the thing up or attempts to fire it up? Well, okay, so um, that and another great question. Okay, so if, if, if it were me, I'd want to check. I'd start with the wiring. <laughs> and the reason why is Absolutely. because you got rodents out there that enjoy feasting on wire housing. Yes. And um, that can, if if... If they've chewed through it, you could actually end up barking something, and then you could create a little fire. We don't want that, obviously. So you would want to check and make sure all the wiring and wiring harnesses um, are, in fact, in good shape, not brittle. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, and also I've seen it before. Mice have actually gone inside the um, air filter right over the carburetor. Okay. And they have made a nest of something, and so if they try to fire that car up, and they didn't take the um, air filter off just to see what's down in there, then all that stuff gets sucked in your carburetor, and that's bad news. Yeah. So, so that would be the first thing that I would obviously check. Uh, you know, gas and fuel filters. Uh, you know, gas that has been sitting for a very long time actually loses its um, potency. Yeah, that's right. So you would probably have to drop the tank, um, and I've seen plenty of tanks that have been rusted. Uh, sure. Just, I mean, it's not good to let these things sit. And I'm sure that has to do with you know a geographical, of course, uh, sure factor there. That right. if you're up around the Great Lakes, there's a heavy you know snow. There's there's salt on the roads that that can help yep. to erode metals yep. away. And, and uh, yeah, seen plenty of that. Yep. Um, so okay, well go go on. Well, what else? What yeah, else should yeah. we? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, brake lines. You okay. want to make sure that those are um, well intact. I mean, they're very thin yep. lines, um, and they do carry pressure. And so, if there's anything brittle or deteriorated or rusted, um, you know, I would recommend actually changing the brake fluid. Make sure they bleed the brakes. Just make sure all the calipers are not sticking. That kind of stuff because if they haven't been exercised in a while. Yep, it it can wreak some havoc. So, what about what about the crankcase itself? So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, going back to the days when, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw these guys. I'm gonna give these guys a plug, <laughs> right. but click and clack uh, the yep. car guys yeah, right, who we right. all would love to hear on yeah. on NPR back in the day, mm-hmm. and we catch them in, in reruns. I happen to be hit, listening to a show one day when a similar question was posed to click and clack, and and they said that because the car had been sitting for a couple of years that they were going to do some manual sort of exercise on, on I think, removing the oil from the car mm-hmm. and then reintroducing new oil sure. to the engine right. to try to get things as mm-hmm. best lubricated. Right. Now, we're not talking about manually 
driving those pistons up and down. But they were mm. just talking about getting some fresh lube around right, right. around those shafts just mm-hmm. so so they can minimize any damage. Because when you think about a single revolution, how quick is a single revolution going to happen? Yeah. Exactly. Right. And and I, I remember from that from that show that they said at least change the oil. Right. An hour or two before you start it up. Right. Well, and, you know, oil does and can lose its viscous properties. And so what you want to do is obviously make sure that, um, you know, the oil is, in fact, clean. Um, you want to make sure that, um, uh, you know, change the oil filter, obviously. That kind of stuff absolutely is for sure. Um, and that, too, of the transmission fluid. Really? Uh, transmission fluid should be pink. And yet again, over time, I mean, they can lose their properties if they're yep. if the car's not exercised cars are actually meant to be driven it's worse for them to sit for a period of time than it is to actually <laughs> drive them okay it, it, so you've got you've got those things you gotta look at now there you know there's old school of thought you ch- you check your transmission fluid while the car's hot yep. and in park uh, so people, a dilemma there how are you going to check the friends transmission fluid if you've not even turned over the, the car right, so yeah. is there so, a, is right. there an order of process here yeah that, well, and that's a great point too um, but additionally, I mean, you can check it when it's cold because it'll expand when it's hot. And okay. so that's why you want to check. At least that's what I do. I check it when it's cold. Then after I turn it on, let it warm up. Then I shift it into all gears. Okay. That way, I mean, I'm talking park, reverse, neutral, drive, two and one. Good. That way that selectors made its way all the way down and back up. And then, uh, and, you know, obviously after the car's warmed up and reached operating temperature, uh, then, you know, get out, check out that dipstick again. And again, okay. transmission fluid should be nice and pink with no sediments of any which uh, of any sort. Um, well, let me stop you right there yeah, and ask ahead. this question. So, sure. again, gearing this to the more novice folks like myself, mm-hmm. what about, like, levels in the battery? I know I know you can pull those mm-hmm. plugs on a battery. You can check the, the, the fluid in that battery, the, the water, I guess. And, and you could always add distilled water, I remember, well, back I, in the old days. Not, not in today's battery. Is that right? Think, okay. Yeah. Um, I think that was a technology back in the day, but yeah. today's stuff, I mean, yes, batteries, obviously, if they're not used, they're going to wear down okay. too. And it's important to let everybody who's listening, you never want to jumpstart a dead battery in the cold or okay. freezing cold. Cause okay. then, then, then you're asking for minor explosions and, well, and you got, yeah. So, so thank you for sharing that because I never knew that. Yeah. So just be cautious of, okay. <laughs> of okay. that kind of stuff. What, yeah. what about your, like your brake fluid and your powering power steering fluid? Is that something oh, yeah, to just sure. kind of maybe do a glance over? Absolutely. Or? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, the master cylinder has a reservoir thing on top and, um, um, you know, you just want to make sure that uh, the, the fluid and that is good. Just make sure, to press the brake a couple times, just make sure there's pressure that builds up. Sounds- but, I, but I would also make sure that if you do end up firing this thing up and it, you got fresh gas and yep. new oil and all that, I certainly wouldn't take it very far down the street at a fast speed without sure. applying the brakes just to make sure that it feels like it's congruently stopping. Yep. And there's not pulling to the one side or and making sure you actually have the old gratuitous brake check. Yeah. That's never a bad <laughs> no, thing. That's right. Well, thank you for that question. Brandon O'Daniel of Waterbury, Vermont, Jason. Yep. yep. So, um, uh, well, one other thing. Oh, please. Oh, oh, that's fine. I'm just making sure I'm, Belts and hoses, you don't want those things to deteriorate. And tires, the one last thing with this is that your your tires, technically all 
all of them have a shelf life. Yes. And um, uh, you might have perfect tread on them, but after the car's been sitting stationary for so long, you're going to have flat spots. Your your sidewalls could yes. be swollen. They could be um, crackly, d- deteriorated. So uh, you, you know, I always thought that was a myth, Jason, but I have some firsthand experience that with my daughter's 2006 Honda Accord mm-hmm. Coupe. Yep. Uh, we came into an automobile that, that we were able to obtain for her, uh, a great car, great shape. There, there was a person who had, had died, and we came into this car that had been sitting for about six months. Mm-hmm. Well, the car ran great. We went through a couple of the steps to make sure the car was going to run, but she noticed... And, and I began to notice this, too, when riding with her. We would feel this thumping along. Oh, sure. What had happened was, mm-hmm. because that car for, sat for about six months, and right. we're talking about the, the time it took f- to go through probate and then mm-hmm. get listed and whatnot, right. those flat spots actually became permanent in the tires. Mm-hmm. So eventually now, the, the tread was okay on them, but but we could definitely feel those those flat spots. Although we inflated the tires Everything we thought would be fine, but you could actually feel that thumping. Oh, sure. In 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 the drive, and and there are ways to try to overcome those if the tires are still decent. Okay, uh, you can overinflate them. Don't overinflate them too much, but if you overinflate them a little bit more, should then expand the, out or something. Yeah, okay. and you know, there if you open up the driver's door jam, there's a sticker that tell you what your PSI should be in your front and rear. So although your tire might say uh, inflate the 35. 36, yeah, 35. Yeah, mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that's how that car was manufactured. That, that, that's a tire, uh, that, that's on the tire. The car was designed at 34 in the front or 36 in the back. Sure. So you want to follow the manufacturer's guidelines to just to make sure that, you know, but but sometimes overinflating just a little bit okay. will make the wheel a little bit more firm going down the road, and that can help uh, get rid of those soft spots. So, so let me ask you this. If we mm-hmm. had a tire that should be inflated to 35, mm-hmm. if we go up within a five-pound range or three pounds? Or I would no? do three pounds, three pounds probably most, okay. yeah, because okay. you, yeah, you just... Don't, I don't want to tell anybody to, to overinflate and then they blow out. But yeah, exactly. uh, that, that's an old trick is to try to overinflate them a little bit and get them on the highway. Get the tires tires will heat up as you drive them, sure. and, and that'll help wear out those soft spots for whatever that's worth. But um, Thanks for that. Oh, sure, yeah. We're going to take a quick second here and recognize our other sponsor, G.D. Herring. G.D. Herring offers life, business, and property solutions for your unique property and life planning needs. You can visit them at www.gdherring.com. So, Tim, uh, thank you. What's What would be a next question? Yeah. All right. Well, Constance Fetter okay. of Jacksonville, Florida, right? right. Yep. And, and she asks, when it comes to old car, or when it comes to an old car's body and paint, mm-hmm. what tips can you give to potential buyer to a potential buyer looking at an older car. Okay, well, it's likely that the car, if it's old, it's likely that it may have been painted at some other point. Uh, let's, I mean, most of the ones I've seen have been repainted. Now, again, you might be lucky and get one that's been perfectly. The, the little, little lady <laughs> right. from Pasadena going back. Yeah. Exactly, right. exactly. But, you know, you want to check for things like Bondo. And you yep. can you can spot Bondo pretty decently because, um, uh, it's, it's not exactly uh, – I, when you, when you when these cars are built, they're perfectly even on each side, sure. and the lines are perfectly even. Yep. So sometimes when Bondo's put in, you can tell by a little bit of maybe wave right. or something like that. 
I use a paint meter and a paint meter uh, will help me. Uh, so both fenders should be the exact same paint tread or paint depth okay. in, in meter size. Okay. So, so you're talking about an actual thickness to the yeah, paint. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank okay. you. And uh, then I've got magnets mm-hmm. and I'll notice that, okay, this magnet is sticking to this side of the fender, but it's not sticking to this side of the An fender. An indication which, of right, Bondo. Yeah. Uh, right. You got well, the, as soon as you mentioned Bondo and how to, how to recognize Bondo. So growing up in, in somewhat of a rural side of the county, I can tell you when I could always spot Bondo <laughs> and, it, and it was on like, a, I don't know, dad's uh 68 69 camaro back in the 80s when people mm-hmm. weren't really jumping on those cars right but you could spot oh i got a, i got a story an opal somebody had picked up an old oh, yeah, opal sure. right and and the thing when we looked at it we're thinking what a piece of junk it's coated in bondo what was it that bondo gray <laughs> all the way through and i'm mm-hmm. looking for an original part of this whole car and it, it was there. <laughs> it was not even there and i'm thinking okay you drive this car every day will you ever pick paint the car mm-hmm. and i didn't right. know you could apply paint to bondo <laughs> until i became an adult and i'm seeing more cars you know in classic cars right. i always thought bondo was just something you just... did to your car to make it look you know like you're from the rural side right. of the county you're right right yeah no no so, so sorry to take away no from. no Go no, ahead, no, no but, but yeah so the paint meters the um the um, magnets uh, you know, I always look at the body panels and line congruency so so technically if a trunk is shut um, it should be flush. It shouldn't be crooked. And each gap separating the trunk lid from each fender should exactly match. And same with the hood and same with the doors. And so, you know, uh, sometimes on especially the two door coupes back in the 70s that, you know, they probably weighed those doors probably yeah. weighed 700 pounds. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yep. So you'll open those doors all the way. Yep. And then I rock the car with those doors. Really? And, mm-hmm. You just got to make sure that there's nothing that's loose. There's or no play in like exactly. the hinges of the doors. It's okay. not going to sag. So, wow. so those are some things that you might want to look at. Um, now, to the to the people who really uh, hunker down and, and know car paint, let's call it. There's you know terms as crow's feet, fish eye, orange peel. Uh-huh. Uh, patina that kind of stuff um you know it's a telltale sign if there's dirt in the paint on one side of the car versus the other car uh, other side of the car you're saying that that's like maybe an indication of 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 a respray okay maybe maybe a wreck you never can tell um and what's interesting too on later model cars i've seen it plenty of times too is that you know although the the paint code is actually inside the car okay. on the door jam. I believe there's a four digit alphanumeric code that tells the painter, this is the, this is the color for this car. Okay. Well, what they don't, well, what they can't help are, you know, that car's had four additional years of sun fade okay. on this side. And so you're going to uh... paint it the, 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 actual manufacturer color and so you'll find that it's um properties are going to be more lustrous on the new side than on the old side so so you can detect different paint okay so let's go let's go back to that little Mm -hmm. old lady in pasadena she she never had a garage Mm -hmm. she lived in a home Mm -hmm. Right at the corner of wherever and wherever. Actually, she had a rickety old garage. <laughs> of course, <she> parked, <laughs> and it was a super stock Dodge. But go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Thank you, Brian Wilson. Very <laughs> right, nice plug right. to the Beach Boys. There Good job. Go. Yep. Um, so you're saying 
Okay, she she lived uh, facing no, uh, west okay. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so in the morning, you know, she's got the shade at her back, and then in the evening, she's got the sun setting. Mm-hmm. You're saying that if she parked on the curb and her house faced west, then the left side, the driver's side of her car, would have a little bit more impact from the sun, most it, likely. If, if she parked it like day. that all the time, then yes. How about the, that? The, the sun would fade that side of the car a really? lot more. Yeah, of course. I yep. never would have yep. even thought of that. Mm-hmm. That's, gr- that's it's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, real, real quick, can you tell me about what a paint meter is? I've never heard the term in my life. Yeah, so it just it detects the depth of the paint. So you want, you, and it's, I mean, I equate it to the, the thickness of a dollar bill. Okay. And the less thick, the better. Yeah. Because the more thick, you're going to have more chances of it uh, cracking and all that other good okay. stuff. But it, uh, you just, it, it, you stick it on the panel gotcha. and it reads a depth and you that? want them to, to read exactly. And you're going to find that the lower part of the car might have actually uh, thicker paint okay. because you got all the stone splash as it, as it drives, it's picking up sediment, dirt, sand, silt, you know, and so it's going to have a, a tad bit, might even have a different texture to it. Uh, just to accommodate for the fact that it's going to be on the elements a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So so is this a tool of the trade? I mean, you being a certified Mm -hmm. inspector. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yep. And an appraiser. Is Mm -hmm. that something that maybe an appraiser and inspector would have with them when they're Anybody can buy one, but okay. yes, you, yes. If 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 I'm hired to do an appraisal or an inspection, it's good to have those tools. Okay. Absolutely, and yes, you you can pick them up on Amazon. And I was going to ask that if bucks. I want to rent out and yeah, get a paint right. meter, sure. that's something I could. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Awesome. I think it's run by a little watch battery or something to that nature. So it's pretty simple. Well, any other additional information you could add to uh, to Constance's question? Well, um, so so yeah, so there's this thing, and again, try not to get too technical here, but this is something that that I've noticed. Okay, so I typically, if I'm inspecting a car and looking at the body, especially the old old cars, quality assurance back in the '60s, '70s, and even '80s probably wasn't nearly what they are today. Okay, but. You know, th- there was one. Uh, J- Jason, let me stop you right I'll go, there. I'll go ahead, please. Well, well, I mean, that totally throws out everything I've ever known about, <laughs> about uh, or as a consumer when it comes to economics. And that is the old saying, they don't make them like they, they used to. to. So I'm going to challenge you right there now. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Be- because I feel like when we got up into the 90s, actually probably post-78 GM with fall-down headliners, you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, you're right. I mean, that's when I, I, I really started to kind of feel like they just don't make them like they used, used to. to. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, and, that, and that's – you bring up a good point for sure. The the, the example that I was going to mention is is that um, I, I noticed on one car that the, the back wheels, if you measured between the fender and the tire, one side was about an inch off than the other side. Really? So So if you're – it's a it's called dog tracking and so when you're sure driving down the street and you see a car that looks like it it's going straight but it looks like it's angled just at a, i think i know where you're heading with this that right. could be an in- indication of a bent frame it could be yes yeah. absolutely okay. yeah okay yep and and so you know again these things you want to try to be on the mind uh mindset of when you're looking at these cars just to make sure that and again nobody's perfect with this right. but you you can you can take a simple ruler and just measure 
And, you know, if, if anything's off. And that's something anybody can do, obviously. Right, yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Something, that, yeah. That is, right. a, that is a great tip. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, and that's, that's typically on the rear wheels. Um, you know, you can, you can adjust the caster and the toe and the camber on, that's the elements of a, an alignment. But long story short, some, some of that can be easily fixed. But then again, if the frame's bent, then you do have a problem. That's awesome. Yep. Great information. Great information. Well, let's move on to our next question here, mm-hmm. Jason. And this is uh, Abby Stenson mm-hmm. of Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. Now, hang on. Let's think about this. We're talking about Alabama. Uh-huh. Talladega. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, this is car country. Yeah, there you probably go. classic car country. Yeah. But the fact that Abby is writing in tells me she wants to know. So she's asking our classic car maven this mm-hmm. question. Are old cars harder to get parts for than new cars? Um, okay, so... Now, this is an obvious... I mean, we all think we know the answer right. to this. Mm-hmm. We're all going to have our own pre, preset uh, answer to this question. But let's hear from the expert. Well, I mean, so, so that is a great question. And, and I, I would say not necessarily, but it, then again, it's going to be contingent upon the car. The okay. 65 Mustang, you're going to have plethora of parts for. Yeah. If she's got a um, Metropolitan Nash... That wow. was a limited production car at the get-go, then she might have a little bit more problems with that, sure. if that makes sense. But um, there are many sources out there that you can navigate, um, uh, you know, internet-wise. There's a um, a website from a guy out in Oregon, uh, and um, he has a... Um, a website called Collector Part Exchange, and um, that's really catering to some of the um, more rare okay. pieces that people might be looking for, um, up to and including, I think I even saw a, a Lamborghini engine on there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, and uh, that's, um, yeah, Collector Part Exchange, and they can be found at actually Collector Part exchange.com it sounds like we just brought on a new sponsor <laughs> we need to hit these guys up well uh so yeah they've got a really good uh thing going um and so, so that's a courtesy plug yeah that's okay. absolutely nice. and that's absolutely. what the show's about but but typically parts are available for most cars old, old beetles okay. uh, uh i mean old mopars typically you can find i mean starters are easy ra- radiators are easy distributors are even easy okay uh, carburetors can be a tad bit uh, more um, challenging because uh, you may have to change the manifold on it to to, to right. make sure that they line up. But there's, in my experience, uh, there's a there's a way. Okay, you, you just it may take a little bit longer. Okay, but there's a way. <laughs> so so kind of a follow up to that, Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been something that I've noticed when it comes to like classic car parts. That I feel like about 1963, 64 is about the cutoff. When you, I mean, is it true when you get beyond that year or maybe even the 60s era altogether, you get down to the 50s, 40s, 30s? Mm-hmm. Those those parts are, are very rare at that point. Is that right? Well, well I mean, and I know you got the classic car exchange, yeah. but right. classic parts ex- exchange, yeah. collector but, part exchange, yeah, collector but, part, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. See, here's the question. Here's okay. the answer to that. Okay. I would probably assume that that could be the, the case. Um, I don't 
I've never had any 30s, 40s, or even yeah, 50s cars to even compare real, it to. Right. Now, 60s, 70s, and 80s, right. I can tell you that, yes, I've had parts for. And those are the cars of the muscle generation, yeah, the muscle right, era, and yeah, that's what we're about. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, we but, love them all, of oh, course. Yeah, yeah. so so do I think that there are probably some websites out there that can help you with okay. the 30s and 40s and 50s? Yes. Um, um, I hope that answers the question. It does. <laughs> okay. And thank you for that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's uh, all we have out of that. Yeah, that, so that was... Um, the lady from Huntsville. The lady Abby. from Huntsville. Yep. Abby and yep. Abby, thank you so much for your question. Uh, let's move on to our last and final question okay. of this yep. segment. All right. And uh, it looks like Miss Ellen Hopperton of Stevens Point, Wisconsin, writes, mm-hmm. What tips can you share on saving gas and winterizing your car. Gotcha. Okay. Stevens Point, Wisconsin. So I'm learning some new geography. I'm, I'm not familiar right. with Stevens Point. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's cheese there. That's all I can think. Yeah, right. Maybe there some good go. beer and cheese. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, so that, yet again, is another good question. Um, okay. Uh, we all know the gas prices are starting to go up a little bit here. You're not kidding. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if somebody asked me what I do, well, uh, this may sound crazy, but the realities are realities. You can't defy the laws of physics. The less weight you carry, the less gas you burn. So if you're driving around in your car and you, you, you know, fill it up to a quarter tank or a half tank max, so you're not carrying another 22 gallons or whatever your car holds around with you. So, I mean, there's that way that you can save some gas. Well, first of all, let me say I've re- I've been doing the keto thing, Jason. So I've been tr- <laughs> yeah. I've been working on it. Hey, as point, every Tim. middle-aged right. man yeah. would say, I'm it, working yeah. on it. It'll keep us in shape <laughs> to have high gas prices, right? Right. No doubt. Okay. So so that's one thing. Um okay. I, obviously you want to make sure your tires are inflated. Yep. I think we mentioned this earlier, but you if if they're lower, it increases drag. Drag. Yeah. And then the car has to work harder to keep up the speed that if it had the proper um, inflation, inflation, yeah. then it would roll down highway a little bit sure. with less um, yeah, torque needed. So uh, alignments. Now, I know this is weird, but the realities are uh, uh, if your car is out of alignment, then you're – so if you got one wheel that's pulling a little to the left and the other one's pulling to the right, you're counterproductive going straight. Sure. So, so, so you, you want to make sure that your alignment is set so as to where, you know, you let off that wheel, it just wants to point straight and keep yep. going. Uh, but if you're if, – if one tire wants to pull – You're increasing little, more drag. You're increasing yeah. the drag. Yeah. And so, right. therefore, you're going to have um, – Reduced fuel economy. So, um, good. Another thing too, uh, by the way, uh, winterizing is the key word. I know winter's cold, but um, I, I would recommend that you turn your AC compressor on during the cold months. You don't have to have it to the cold selector. You can turn it to the heat. What's that going to do? Well, there are lubricating properties inside those compressors. Okay. And if they remain stagnant for six months because it's cold six months and you never use it, then you're more likely to have air conditioning compressor issues um, at a later point. So it's recommended that at least once a week run your AC compressor 30 minutes. That's it. And then gotcha. you can have it to the hot selector. Okay. It doesn't have to be cold. I mean, you're not going to hurt anything. So just, you know, turn it to the hot and then put your AC on and let that compressor exercise. So those lubricating, That's, it's sort of like a, a, a power window that you never roll down. Okay. It, it loses the, the um, you know, it's grease. 
and it loses loses that too. It'll dry up. So just really food for thought for whatever that's worth. Um, Grease for thought. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Right. Good. Um, another little side. You know, you were actually onto this earlier when you were talking about uh, the paint and a car being pointed west and east. But if you on cold mornings, if your windshield is facing what east east mm-hmm. when the sun rises <laughs> yep you'll have the sun helping you bake, melt that make yeah so there's for whatever in the world again that's worth but just yeah. a fun little tip if your car has have, happens to be outside no that's a great tip um, I, uh, absolutely yeah and we talked about never jump starting a frozen battery um never knew that yep, thank you very yep. much um and um the, the other thing is make sure your antifreeze level um is up the snuff you need to be changing it about every thirty thousand miles at a minimum because if you don't the chemicals in the coolant will break down and um yeah you know then, then you'll have minor rust or or things going through your yep engine block and, and that's that, just that, gonna that's yeah, gonna right exponentially make yep. the problem worse mm-hmm. that's from exactly my experience right, right. It, do be cautious. Uh, you know, a lot of people think antifreeze is antifreeze. Different car manufacturers have different recommendations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you definitely don't want to mix antifreeze with cars with Dexcool right. and vice versa. Right. So just be mindful that um, whatever your car, uh, uh, and you can go to a local uh, parts, uh, you know, AutoZone type thing and say hey look i've got this car can you tell me what's recommended for it and they'll be sure. able to tell you same thing applies i would think to brake fluid of course right. engine oil as we know mm-hmm. power steering is probably the only thing you could get away with if you had to use <laughs> maybe that uh that sudsy stuff that you clean your windshield at at, at, a, at a thornton's gas oh, sorry to plug thornton's um if you, if you needed power steering fluid on an, an emergency i think tap water would do the job if you <laughs> right, actually had maybe. i don't recommend it no, but it would probably right. serve the purpose yeah, but that's right Right. Great information, yeah, Jason. Yeah, and those, all great questions. Um, you know, uh, appreciate them uh, listening in to us, and thank you for uh, reaching out to us for sure. Absolutely. And, and by the way, um, uh, for those who would, I think some of these came by way of uh, Facebook messaging, yep. I believe. And um, uh, you're certainly welcome to email uh, me if you want to personally. It's Jason, J A S O N, at GD Herring. Uh, dot com and um uh so you know th- again thanks to all of you who have reached out uh we, you can continue to message us as often as you'd like because there are many questions we'd be delighted to answer if we can and- alabama to wisconsin florida vermont and um and denver we, yeah. we yeah we had yeah. some uh well there's five of the states that we covered tonight no, so 45 go. more to go <laughs> that's right tim <laughs> yep that's exactly right but we uh, welcome your questions yeah absolutely and for our listeners of the podcast like us on facebook and instagram subscribe so you are notified of new shows and kindly leave us a review remember to check out our website www.theclassiccarcorner.com if you or someone you know would like to join in our podcast please reach out to us as we are always delighted to talk with fellow enthusiasts and as mentioned i am now certified in auto appraising uh, through the american society of certified auto appraisers offering these services in louisville metropolitan area as well as rendering pre-purchase inspections for your car, truck, van, or SUV. And again, my email is jason at gdherring.com. We're going to change that at some point to automaven or carmaven or <laughs> autoaficionado at 
Yeah, at something. Gd Herring yeah. slash, you know. There you go. Okay. One of these days, maybe. We'll <laughs> okay. see what happens. But uh, thank you for listening. Happy, mo- happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast.